Good morning, family. Oh, that was a weak one. Did you have coffee this morning? Who had coffee? Who likes coffee? Okay, who doesn't like coffee? Some of you. I think that the strongest uh, good morning came from you because the, the people that love coffee, they've taken already way too much, so it doesn't have any effect on them. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to see so many of you who ha I haven't been seeing for such a long time. Bradley and Nina and Joel, nice to see you again. And Michael, we haven't seen Michael for a while. Uh, I mean, Peter, we haven't seen you in a while. It's so awesome that we can be together again. And I know it's less than ideal. I know that your beautiful faces are partially covered by those not so beautiful mask, except if you have a mask from the Lisbon Project, you have a beautiful mask to show, I know. So speak with Joe Day at the end if you want to know how you can have a beautiful mask. But all of you with standard masks, I'm sorry, I can't compliment your mask choice this morning. But I don't blame you, I have one myself, because I always, I always, I don't know where I put the masks that I buy. Those fancy ones, I end up using the disposable ones, I'm sorry environment and, and economy, we should do our best to use, not, not use disposable masks, but this is how life is right now. So good to see you, so good that we can worship Jesus together. And I'm very, very excited. I'm so happy to share God's word with you this morning. Um, we, uh, Gabby, last, last week she introduced us to a new message series called with a really small title of the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's a very short one, so... Obviously, we'll remember it for it forever. Um, but Gabby introduced to us this, this series that for now, it doesn't have an end. We're going to be speaking about the kingdom of God as long as God gives us something to preach about the kingdom. And, uh, and last week, especially if, if you haven't heard Gabby speak, who, ha who hasn't heard last week's message? You can be honest. No one's going to be mad at you, okay? Okay, very few of you. But if you can do me the favor of going back and listen to it, because I really think it's such beautiful prophetic message for us today, for the times that we're living. It really sets us uh, to understand and to, to believe in what the Word of God tells us that the kingdom of God is all about. And in times such as these, as we're living, these current times, we definitely need to go back to what the Word of God says about God's kingdom. And uh, one of the things that became really evident to me as we were uh, preparing this message series and as Gabby was preaching last Sunday is that there are a lot of people who talk the talk, but they're not walking the Jesus walk. A lot of people say the right things, but their lives are not an example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we shouldn't live out to point fingers because I believe all of us in a one way or another, we all fall short in both understanding and living the life that Jesus has called us to live. And Gabby spoke about how the, king, the gospel of the kingdom of God should prompt us to always respond in love. And love is the trademark. Love is the logo. When you go to a store, when you look at all those boxes, it's all the same product, but it has different labels. 
you identify certain labels because you look at it and you know that this label means quality. You know this logo transmits something to you. And, and love is like the trademark of the church. Love is like the identity of the church. You look at the church and you should see love and we should always respond in love. And this week we will continue to explore the, the nature of the kingdom of God and how it impacts and should impact our lives today. So last week, Gabby used three words that Dean is not going to put on the screen just yet. Gabby used three words to explain what makes a kingdom a kingdom. And this includes, obviously, the kingdom of God. So do you remember those three words that Gabby exposed? Dwelling. Good job. Dynasty. Amazing. Just one more. Dominion. Awesome job. You guys, you pay attention. You guys have a notebook with you? If you don't have the habit of having paper and a pen with you on a Sunday morning, I encourage you. And as a pastor, I can demand that from you, actually. But I'm going to strongly suggest, that's what, what leadership is all about. We strongly suggest that you bring paper and a pen with you and that you write down so you won't forget these very three important uh, marks, these three very important keys for us to understand the kingdom of God. So let's, let's recap a little bit. Dwelling is about the presence of God with us. Dominion is about the submission to his power and authority. And dynasty is identifying Christ as the king. And we are eternally coheres with Christ. So these are the marks of a kingdom, and definitely they are present in, in God's kingdom. And this message series, the gospel of the kingdom of God, means the good news about the kingdom of God. Because not every kingdom is good news. But the kingdom of God is good news. And why? Because God, when he created everything from the beginning, the Bible says it was very good. It was amazing. But if you are familiar with these characters of Adam and Eve, you know that because they messed up, because they sinned against the Lord, our relationship with God became fractured. And the, the outcome of this was that it started sin, be, uh, started to affect all of the areas of our lives. It affected us physically, affected us emotionally, and affected us, most importantly, spiritually speaking. But not only us suffer, suffer from the effects of sin, the Bible says that even nature itself, it suffers because of our sin, because of the sins of mankind. The nature that you see right now, even though continues beautiful, continues to amaze us with its diversity, with its colors, with its life that just sparks everywhere around the planet, but it's a fallen creature, a cre uh, creation as well. It's a creation that suffers. It's a creation that is twisted from God's original plan. So the gospel is the good news of the kingdom of God because it brings to light God's sovereign plan to restore our fractured relationship with him and alongside with that to restore all things. In Christ. The good news of the kingdom of God is a plan of restoration of all things. 
Some people blame God for allowing evil and pain in the world. And some people is a misquote. It's a lot of people. They say if God is good, he shouldn't allow evil or pain to exist. But the Bible is very clear that we were the ones who put the creation and brought suffering and pain into our lives. That wasn't God. That was us. Others choose to be mad at God for apparently he, he's indifferent to our sufferings. He's indifferent for innocent people who suffer and die at the hands of evil people. But the Bible tells us the good news. And the good news is that God is not indifferent to everything that is going around in the world. But God has a plan. That's what you do when things are not working out in your life. You make a plan. You start seeing what are the resources. What do I have in order to change this reality? So God is not indifferent to our sufferings. God is not indifferent to what's going around in the world. God is not just uh, ignoring you when you cry, when you suffer, when you have pain, when you have to go to the hospital. And, and, and when people are going through some of the hardest things that someone can go in life. Just this the, two days ago. Gabby's cousin passed away. She was in her early 40s, full of life. But cancer, this horrible, horrible disease, just consumed her life, consumed her body. And she's not with us anymore. She's with Jesus now, we believe. But still the suffering that she had to go through, her parents that lost their only daughter, it feels like, where is God? Where is God in the middle of all of this? But that's why it's so important that we remember that the gospel is the good news. There are good news. And this is what we reminded our uncles uh, uh, yesterday. There are good news. And the good news is that we're going to see her again. The good news is that she's not away for good. She's just in the long travel because one day we will be again with her in the presence of Jesus. The gospel is good news. And you may be suffering. You may be going through hardships that you think that no one understands. But God has seen you and he knows you and he sent Jesus. And he is the good news. There's good news in God's kingdom. In Acts chapter 3, and this is going to be the chapter, and, and we're going to read a few verses from this chapter. But in Acts chapter 3, we hear the first public preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Uh, obviously, after Jesus died and he rose again, this is the first time someone opened their mouths to announce the gospel of the kingdom. So Peter, and the Bible says that Peter and John, they were going to the temple when by faith they were prompt to, to pray for a lame beggar. They were prompt to offer what they have received freely from the Lord. And what followed was an amazing opportunity to announce the good news of the kingdom of God. But I want us to just stop here for a minute. Just a parenthesis. This lame beggar was near the temple. They were in the part of the temple that was close to the door. Thousands of people were in the temple of God to worship, to offer their sacrifices, to be in God's presence and to be blessed. But in fact, it was in that temple that people needed to hear 
the good news about the kingdom of God. The gospel of the kingdom needed to be proclaimed in the temple where people were worshiping Jesus. And this is a very important reminder to us. Just because we're in a place of worship, that doesn't mean that we're part of God's kingdom. Just because we come to church, it doesn't mean that the kingdom of God is at work in us. And even now, the gospel of the kingdom needs to be announced at church, as it needs to be announced all over the world. But even at church, we need to hear it. So all of a sudden in this story, Peter and John, the Bible says they were surrounded by thousands of people. The Bible says that everyone ran together to them because this sign, this miracle that just happened was mind-blowing, was amazing. It, it showed that something important happened and we need to understand why. We need to understand the cause. We need to understand the root. We need to understand what is God doing now that we saw this amazing, apparently impossible miracle happen. So in chapter 3 of Acts, most of the verses is this speech that Peter gave. And, and, and a lot of details, he explained the nature of God's kingdom. But we're going to read in Acts uh, 3 verses 19 to 21. Um, and let's, we're going to read from this version, NLT version, because uh, I think it summarizes quite well the main ideas that I want us to focus this morning. So let's read together. It says, at the end of his speech, Peter says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send Jesus, your appointed Messiah, for he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. And as I was reading this passage, it was fascinating to me to identify the three keys that Gabby spoke about last week. So here we have dynasty. The Bible says you're appointed Messiah. You're appointed king. It's an aspect of God's kingdom. It's the who of the kingdom. We have dominion. It's the demonstration of God's power that shows in the restoration of all things. You can put the next slide. Thank you, Dina. The what. This is the what of the kingdom. What God is doing. And the dwelling. The how. How is God doing this? It's through his presence. It's the presence of the Lord. So as, as Peter was closing his sermon, he is describing the nature of, of God's kingdom. He is describing what this kingdom is all about. And this is the message that was preached from the beginning. But we know that throughout history, people have a different understanding of what it means, the kingdom of God. People don't see it as a religious object or, or a divine purpose. They see it as a political ideology. When you speak about kingdom of God, for the most part, people think that it's about a perfect life and a perfect world. And, and throughout history, every king and queen that has ever existed, they saw their rule as part of God's kingdom. If you like to watch historical TV shows in, about kingdoms and about kings, they see themselves 
as people who are being actively invited to be part of this rule of God's kingdom. And whatever they say is what God says for them to do. But later on with the rise of liberalism in the 18th century, people shifted a little bit and they started to see the kingdom of God as a utopia. It's a perfect state of living that we reach when we implement legal reforms and we fight for social causes. Is when we try to make this world a better place, which there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. It, it sounds interesting and it's commendable to, to make this world a better place for everyone that lives in it. But the Bible, the way that it describes the kingdom of God is different. The kingdom of God is not about politics, but it's about a person. And we cannot forget about this. The kingdom of God is not about politics. It's about a person. And a person who is king over this kingdom. His name is Jesus. The kingdom has a face and our kingdom has a name. It's not an abstract idea. It's the person of Jesus. And when we preach a message of the kingdom that does not focus on the person of Jesus, we are creating a kingdom ideology. Leslie Newbigin, he's a renowned missionary and theologian, and this is what he said while studying about the kingdom. When the message of the kingdom is divorced from the person of Jesus, it becomes a program or an ideology, but not a gospel. In Pauline terms, the preaching of the kingdom then becomes a preaching of the law. In other words, the kingdom without the king is an idol. It substitutes the person of Jesus and why he came into this earth and the purposes that he had while to establish his kingdom. And while the world preaches an, a vision of what it means to be part of God's kingdom, we need to go back to the word of God and make sure we understand what it says about him. The gospel of the kingdom always needs to be the good news that this kingdom of God came in a person. A savior that firmly established his right to rule through his death and resurrection. And I know that for the most part, this is a crazy idea for a lot of people. The idea that the redeemer of the world, this king, God incarnate, came and he had to die and rise again in order to be the king of this kingdom. It's a scandal to the world back then. And it's a scandal and madness to the world today. Because the cross of Christ still confronts us to the very nature of the kingdom and the very nature of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not die eternally, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Just this one verse of the Bible, so many people respond with unbelief, with despair, with indifference, with hopelessness, because they don't see in Jesus the person, the king that they need 
to live under his authority. But the Bible couldn't be more clear that this is what the kingdom of God is about. It's about the person of Jesus. We cannot focus on anything other than in this kingdom, we have a king. He is the one that is entitled to say what goes and what does not go. He is the one that is the ruler over our lives. And I was speaking with Dina just before the service. Sometimes people are afraid of that because they think about human leaders and they think, well, what if he does something crazy? What if he goes and makes us go into war against someone? What if God tells you to go kill someone else? We can rest knowing that the word of God reveals who God is, who our king is, and his nature, his care, his commitment to us is never, ever going to change. He is our shepherd, and we are his sheep. What I love about this passage in Acts is also that it speaks about two different times in God's kingdom. And in this passage, we see times of refreshment. And we also see another time that it says the time for the final restoration of all things. And these two times describe the nature of God's kingdom. And sometimes in scripture, the, the kingdom is, is spoken about as something that we are part of it today. We can enter it today. Jesus said the kingdom of God is among you in Luke 17, 21. So it, it's something that is with us. It's something that is among us. But the Bible also says in other passages, and Jesus said in John 18, 36, that my kingdom is not of this world. And it seems a contradiction. It seems like it's talking, how can the kingdom be here, but it's not here yet. So Dr. George Eldon Ladd, he's a theologian, he's a teacher of the word, and he had a really great way of putting this apparent contradiction into terms. So he says, the early church found itself living in a tension between realization and expectation, between already and not yet. The age of fulfillment has come. The day of consummation stands yet in the future. So we have these two terms. There is a time of refreshment, a time that God has already implemented that it's, uh, it's uh, up to us to enter and be part of uh, this kingdom that God is actively pursuing and implementing on this earth, but its fullness the fullness of this kingdom will only be experienced in the future. So why is this important to us today? And I know that we're coming, going into very deep theology, but what does this mean for us today? Because today we're able to experience times of refreshment. These are times, the times that we are living are times of refreshment. And they come from the presence of the Lord in our lives. Peter, when he announced the word, when he announced love, when he announced peace, when he announced hope, he said that times of refreshment will come from the presence of God with us. Today, you and I, we experience the dwelling of the Lord. Today, we know that God lives in us. In John 14, 23, Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. 
my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. This is a beautiful promise that is still active and alive today in our lives. The Bible says when we surrender, when we respond to Jesus' call to repent of our sins, to turn back and go to God, that he will wipe away our sins and times of refreshment will come in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because when we live in the presence of the Lord, the Bible says there is freedom. There are times of refreshment that awaits us as a church, as the body of Christ, as members of God's kingdom. We are entitled to live in times of refreshment. Jesus died in order for us to experience the glorious kingdom of God today. And it hasn't stopped. God is still actively saving. God is still actively bringing and adding more people into this kingdom. God is still active in showing this very dark, very hopeless world that there is a God that is light, there's a God that is love, that there's a God that doesn't allow you to be lonely, that there's a God that will never abandon you, that there's a God that cares about you, that there's a God that is able to comfort you. In the middle of the troubles and the turmoils of life, the message of the gospel, the good news, is ours. And it's not just ours to proclaim, it's ours to live. My friends, my family in Jesus, we need to believe and we need to live these times of refreshment. We need to realize and go back to the truth of what it means to be part of God's kingdom. Because if he says that he is able to bring refreshment to our souls, that he is able to do a new thing in this forgotten and apparently forsaken world, we need to believe that the word of God says that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, everything changes. When we give our lives to Jesus, everything changes. Jesus is not a comp, uh, something aside of your life. Jesus is not something that you practice on Sundays. Jesus becomes the center of your life and he promises that the presence of your spirit will be with you. You have the presence of the living God in you. And the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, my brother, my sister, here, with your ears and with your heart, where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. We are free. We are free from bondage. We are free from sin. We are free from condemnation. We are free from shame. Someone may be addicted to drugs, may be addicted to alcohol, but where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. Someone may be addicted to porn. Someone may not be able to control themselves and their impulses. But the Bible says where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. This is the message of the gospel. You and I, we may be struggling with sin. And chances are you are. But the Bible says that we are transformed. And let's read the passage, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, you see, no masks, 
There's the, pro the prophecy. No more masks. The time will come. Unveiled faces. We are looking as in the mirror at the glory of the Lord. Yes, it's still not perfect. It's still not the fulfillment of all things. It's like in the mirror. We see a reflection. We see the, the truth of the kingdom, but it's still an image of the kingdom. But the Bible promises that we are being transformed into the same image from glory the glory. My brother and sister, we are not transformed from shame to glory. Because the gospel has taken away all shame. The gospel takes away all, all your sin. The Bible promises you that the work of, you, of his presence in your heart is bringing you from glory to glory. Because God, you are already part of God's kingdom. And God is at work in your heart and life. We are transformed from glory to glory. Times of refreshment. It's not times of feeling pity. It's not times of feeling sorry for yourself. Sorry for your bad luck. Sorry for not having a job. Sorry for being sick. Sorry for the troubles and the hardships of relationships. Sorry about a divorce. So, sorry about a broken relationship. It's about glory to glory. Because the Lord lives in us. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We can be free. And the gospel is good news because it proclaims freedom. My brother and my sister. I know that times are hard. But we are not called to live in times of sorrow. We are not called to live times of grief. We are not called... To live pitiful lives, self-centered lives, because apparently nothing can change. We will all die someday. We all face struggles. We are all facing troubles. God has called us for times of refreshment. You have the presence of the Lord in you. Jesus brought the kingdom and the message of the kingdom to you. And he said, if you believe in me, if you repent, if you change your ways and come to me, times of refreshment will come. Because my spirit is going to be in you. And I know that it's not taking away your right to feel sorry, your right to feel sad. And when, especially when we suffer injustice, when we suffer from evil at the hands of others, it's hard. I know Jesus also faced it. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the gospel hasn't changed. The gospel will never change because our God will never change. We still have one king. We still have one sovereign Lord. And he promises us times of refreshment. The presence of God is transformational. And blessed be the Lord. Because there will be time for the final restoration of all things. 
These times of refreshment are like a mirror. But times will come. A time will come for the final restoration of all things. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So again, you see the two times we have a now. Now we are children of God. He made us children of God. It's who we are. It's what we experience today. But we also have a not yet. We have a future state. We are children of the king, but we must wait exactly for everything of what it entails. And the Bible says in Revelation 21, it describes us the time of restoration of all things. It's those times that we need to set our eyes at when things seem out of control. When our hearts and our minds go a hundred kilometers per hour, a thousand kilometers per hour, where life seems to be adrift and we don't know what's going to happen. We need to set our eyes because there is going to be a time for the restoration of all things. That time, unfortunately, is not now. Some people proclaim a, a gospel that promises the restoration of all things here, that you have the promise of all things here, but the Bible is very clear. Here, we have times of refreshment because God is with us and we will experience His goodness, His glory, but still as a reflection, it's not the full thing because God has promised, promised us something much better, something much greater than anything that we can experience here. And that's why our hope for the kingdom is not here. Paul says, if my hope for God's kingdom is just here on this earth, I'm miserable. I'm the most miserable of all Christians because it doesn't matter what happens here at the end of the day because everything here is temporary. But God has promised us, promised us something that will never end. And it's the final restoration of all things, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their faces. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying and pain will exist no longer because the previous things... The previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. My brother, my sister, this needs to bring hope to your heart. This needs to bring hope to my heart. We don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we know that we have a new home waiting for us there are new heavens there's a new earth I don't know what it looks like man I wish I knew I wish I knew exactly how beautiful how amazing is going to be my home in the presence of God I still don't know much about it you have a few 
verses, chapters that describe our future living arrangement with God forevermore. But this is enough to make me realize how blessed, how hopeful, how loved I am that I have a king that has prepared a place for me and he promised me that the previous things have passed away. All gone. Everything that is bad, every bad experience, every bad memory that you have, everything that anyone has ever done to you, every little cause, why you cried, why you suffered, your frustrations. The Bible promises us those things have passed away because it's going to be full. Everything is going to be full in the, in the presence of God. And this promise is ours. And God invites us. I want to invite the worship team to come. And as I finish, let me just add another D. Gabby introduced us to three Ds that describe the kingdom. But in this passage in Acts, we have another important D. And it's called decision. It says, and, and Peter said from the beginning, and this is the message that Jesus himself proclaimed as he preached the message, the good news about the kingdom of God. Now repent of your sins and turn to God. There's a decision that needs to be made. That's why it's not just about being in the temple worshiping God. It's not just about being in the place of worship every week. It's about a decision that needs to be made. And that's why Jesus proclaimed from the beginning, repent for the kingdom of God is near. He called his disciples to make a U-turn. You were going this way, you need to go that way. And they did it. And they followed Jesus this way. He called them to leave everything behind and follow him. He called for an immediate decision. Because a decision needs to be made when you hear the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God. And the gospel calls for this decision to everyone, from everyone who hears the message of of the kingdom and I know that many of you have heard the message of the kingdom you have responded you have made a decision you surrendered your lives to Jesus and you believe in Jesus you believe that he is your Lord and King and that because of him you have this glorious hope that he is with you but many some of you maybe haven't made this decision because it's about a decision. You need to make this decision for yourself, between yourself and God. I want to be part of God's kingdom. I want Jesus to be my king. I want to be saved by him. I want to be taken care by him. So I invite you to close your eyes. And if this is you, if you're here in this room, if it's someone that is watching us online, just close your eyes and pray with me. Pray similar words to these ones. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died and rose again in order to save me from my past and my sins. Thank you that because of you, I can have my relationship with God restored. I accept you into 
my heart and I enter the kingdom of God. Take care of me, change my life, save me, and thank you for loving me and dying for me. Amen. And everyone that prays this prayer, the Bible promises, me and my Father, we will go live in, in them. So God is in you. He is working in you. You're part of this kingdom when you decide to be part of it. But church, I know how important it is to proclaim the message of the kingdom. Are you with me? Yes? You know how important it is for us to proclaim the gospel and the good news of Jesus to people who don't know him? We know it's very urgent. But something that is very important, people can only make a decision for Jesus if they know the truth about God's kingdom. Otherwise, when we present Jesus, we make Jesus synonym to free ticket to heaven. Many times we make Jesus synonym to free health. We make Jesus synonym to free money. And we know, based in the word of God, that's not what the gospel means. The gospel, yes, is presenting Jesus as a savior, but also as a king. And if we fail to help people understand that when they are saved by Jesus, they become part of a kingdom, they don't know that their actions matter, that their lives matter, how they live their lives here on this earth matters to God because God has a plan. And he invites us to be part of that plan. But if people don't know the plan, they're just holding a ticket and coming to church in the hope that when they die, someday they will go to heaven. But the good news about the kingdom of God is much more than this. The kingdom of God is about a person, about a God that has a plan. A plan for the restoration of all things. It's not just res restoring people's souls in order that one day they will be in heaven. Is restoring people's lives. Restoring people's hopes. Restoring people's plans. Restoring people's work. Restoring people's families. Restoring their jobs. Restoring their relationships. But they can only understand if we proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that is among us. And it started when Jesus rose again from the dead. The gospel that was proclaimed by Peter at the temple. That 3,000 people surrendered their lives to Jesus. They were added to God's kingdom. And so on throughout history. People are being added to the kingdom. And while the world is not a nice place to live. It's a dark place. The Bible recognizes it. Imagine how much darker it would be if the church wasn't here. If the kingdom of God wasn't with us. If the presence of God wasn't in some way with us today. But it is. God is with us. And may he fill our hearts, our lives, and our mouths with the message of the kingdom that is able to change people's lives. Father God, we thank you 
Lord, this message is still madness to the world today. And we know that that's not going to change. We live and, and serve a king who was crucified as a criminal. That we believe he is the son of God. And we believe that he is no, no longer in the tomb. That he rose again on the third day. And he reigns forevermore. And that he promised to come back for us. And 2,000 years into it, we're still waiting. Lord, this would be a very hard message to believe. If you didn't promise us times of refreshment. Lord, but you have promised that you would be with us as we open our hearts to you. You respond when we turn away from our sins and we come to you. And you promise that you will come live in us. Your presence will be with us. And times of refreshment will come from your presence, Lord. And I pray this morning, as us together, as your family, as we turn, as we repent from our sins, of our selfishness, of our own self-rule, Lord, we turn to you as our King. And we repent, Lord, and we ask. That by the dwelling of your spirit in us, we will experience these times of refreshment more and more. We believe in your kingdom as you declare it to be. We have hope in your kingdom as you have foretold that one day you will restore all things and we will live together with you in new heaven. Lord, we pray that you will give us all a deeper understanding of your kingdom of this reality so that we will not be trading our king for just a promise we want you lord as our king we want to follow you and obey to you as you take care of us and you do that so well lord Those who have given their lives to you, Lord, they're, they're not, they don't repent of that. We will not go back. We want you more and more, Lord. We want your kingdom to come more and more. Help us to live. Help us to worship you. Help us to obey you. And help us to proclaim your kingdom to this world that is despaired of it. Thank you for your grace and your kindness. Thank you for not rejecting us when we fail time and time again. Thank you for being with us as we sometimes are so stubborn in our own feelings and feeling miserable and sorry about ourselves. Oh Lord, may you be our joy and hope every single day. Help us to take possession of this refreshment that you have promised us. Thank you for our blessed hope in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing to the